This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. Hey, everybody, this is Phil Town. And this is Danielle Town. Welcome to the Invested Podcast. We're back here thinking we might get into Google a little bit. Yeah. More. A little bit more. <laughs> a little bit more. <clears throat> so Fascinating I... stuff going on in the market right now, by the way. Yeah. I'm Fascinating not a... stuff. Not, not to get too far afield. But right. Ray Dalio. Like literally one sentence later, far afield. Okay, go ahead. Ray yeah. Dalio. Ray, Ray Dalio. Um, has unloaded his positions in China. Oh. Now, this is significant because Ray Dalio is a big proponent of a good relationship between the U.S. and China mm-hmm. and believes that Chinese stocks ultimately will be among the best investments you could ever make because he sees that the United States is a declining empire full of massively overexposed to debt and overspending, and a lifestyle nationwide that can't be sustained, <clears throat> and is and has fought multiple wars over multiple decades that have you know sucked the company's resources. Um, that it's an empire in the sense that it has military in 180 countries, um, and China is a rising power that is ultimately going to challenge the the U.S. militarily and economically. And when you have a clash of these two empires over history, and he, he's done a beautiful job of detailing over the last 500 years how these empires have come and gone, um, you have a clash that can, be break, can break out into conflict. Fascinating. And, um, when you say he has yeah. detailed it out, where is this in a paper that he wrote? Uh, on his website. Go to, just Google read. Yeah, he's, it's in a paper. It's in a book. Um, I don't remember the name of the book right now. Hang on, I'll, I'll pull it up. But Google Ray Dalio, and um, oh, here we here we go. Uh, yeah, he just to fill here while you do that. He regularly puts out fairly in depth papers for free, usually on LinkedIn but maybe now yeah. on his website. Um, I haven't seen this one, obviously. But he he's definitely somebody to follow online, and he puts out a lot of thought research for free. Yep. This one is called Principles for Dealing with the Changing World Order, Why Nations Succeed and Fail. Oh, yeah, that's been out for a while, right? Yeah, yeah. and then he's updating it with, with uh, information as we go along mm. toward the... Um, almost the, I don't, I wouldn't say it's inevitable. He doesn't use that word, but likely outcome of conflict, civil strife. He puts, um, last thing I saw, and I hope I'm not misquoting him. He puts the probability of a civil war in America at one out of three. So he's seen that kind of looking into the future by looking deep into the past, 
the confluence of all of these signals that the weather is rapidly changing into a major storm. And that storm will have impacts across the world. So by exiting China, he's, I think he's basically saying um, there's the chances of conflict between the United States and China over Taiwan are now elevated as a result of America's insistence on, on thumbing its nose at China. Hold on. I just so, want to be clear about what he's actually said versus your conjecture. Is yeah, what you just said your anything. conjecture? It was my conjecture, yeah. Okay. So what he's actually done is exit all of his Chinese company positions? Looks like. And by him, we mean Bridgewater? Mm-hmm. Okay. Looks like they took a billion dollars out in one day. Wow. Or over a period of a few days, so. <clears throat> That's yeah. really major. Yeah. So, wow. And then again, who knows for sure? Maybe he's just shifting the positions uh, onto a Chinese uh, brokerage site. Chinese. Yeah, yeah exactly. I, mean, I think... I think guessing at why people do something is perfectly legit. But, uh, yeah, I don't think we can say necessarily he's exiting China. Um, but that's a really big move from a huge fund. So they're, they're doing something. They either are, what, exiting Chinese companies, two, mm-hmm. moving the money, as you just said, to a different vehicle, maybe one that has more legal rights than the U.S. Uh, ADRs that they probably mm-hmm. owned. But, uh, I think part of what is influencing Dahlia, and I could be way out of line here, but we certainly exited our positions in China when we saw what the United States did um, in the Ukraine conflict with Russian stocks. I mean, it essentially made it really impossible to own a Russian stock in the Mm -hmm. U.S. Mm -hmm. And we would want to get ahead of that. And I'm wondering if maybe that's what Dahlia was doing as well is getting ahead. So when you see a conflict coming and you think there's a decent probability of it, it would make sense to get ahead of it in terms of getting out of companies which may turn out to be illegal to own as a matter of executive fiat at the top, you know, from Biden. Or, Absolutely. It's like you could just do it. And it's like we didn't know that that could happen, but we saw it happen in Russia with the Russian stocks just a year ago. So no question is it's the way the United States will go if it gets in a conflict. I'll add one more possibility, which is that it's nothing to do with the macro country that those companies are in, and it's nothing to do with the vehicle. Maybe he just wanted to sell those particular companies and is going to buy different ones. Could be. It could be. I would Unlikely. Say, I would say that's like unlikely. a 1% chance, but I do want to make sure we go through as many reasonable options as we can yeah about why somebody would exit that's, that that's the old story if you're if you're if you're hearing horse horse beat hoof beats if you're hearing hoof beats and you're in the middle of uh colorado you should probably guess horses not zebras <laughs> okay <laughs> <laughs> it's a version of occam's razor right you know just <laughs> The simplest explanation is usually the right one. Usually usually in the ballpark. All right, so that's Dalio. And the second thing I wanted to mention is that Michael Burry, you guys will remember Michael Burry. He uh, was a character played by... Uh, Christian Bale. Christian Bale in The Big Short. Um, I don't know what his 
ailment was, but he would invest to heavy metal and do drumsticks, and I don't know what he, what the issue was with, with the way his brain works, but the actual guy, Michael Burry, is just brilliant, and became a very, <clears throat> very sort of well-known investor by doing a blog while he was at Stanford Medical School, taking, you know, going through Stanford Medical School. He ran a blog, and um, Joel Greenblatt, who's one of my favorite investors, saw the blog and decided he would give this guy money to invest. And he gave him like $100 million hmm. out of a multi-billion dollar hedge fund. And so Burry invested this money. And in that classic movie, The Big Short, you, there's, a, there's an East Coast hedge fund manager who comes into Burry's office demanding his money back and threatening Burry with everything he could threaten him with. That, I believe, was Joel Greenblatt. Who was no way! Insisting on I his never money heard back. that before. Yeah, Joel, don't. don't Where did you get that from? Ah, I don't remember where oh. I read that, but I think it might be true. So um, <laughs> I might have pieced it together myself. My favorite part is I think it might be true. It's, well, I'm just saying it's a, it's some speculating here. It's a speculation. The yeah. point is, he's a really iconic investor at this point, and yep. that movie is now that book the story of what happened, then the book, then the movie, that's all years and years ago at this point. And he's still a massive voice of going against the crowd. Of, Contrarianism. Yeah, but I don't <clears throat> think he really cares what other people think. Contrarians specifically do it against others. I don't think point. Michael Burry particularly cares no, I think what right. anybody's doing. You think but he does? I think does? it's important that you know something about Michael Burry right Tell now. Tell me. He's liquidated. Okay. He cleaned out his portfolio um, of all stocks with the exception of Geo, uh, Geo something. Um, <laughs> they, he doesn't mind what people think, for sure. This company, Geo, that is the only company he owns now. He got mm. rid of everything else, including Google, which he owned for several years. Mm. He's out of Google, which to the point of our conversation today. Yeah. Um, and he stayed in Geo, which is the company that owns private prisons oh, and is under major uh, potential legislative attack from the Biden administration that is um, apparently trying to, I, I, I don't know, they're, they're trying to shut down private prisons. So I don't know much about the issues. Um, I'm sure there's two sides to it all. And Burry is taking the side that these guys, doesn't matter that the government, uh, that this government wants to shut down private prisons, that they can't. Burry's taking the position that they can't, um, as far as what I've read about Geo, that hmm. they need them and there's no way around it. You can't, there's no place for these people to go. They're not going to put them on the street. And they, they just don't have the, they don't have the cells. So maybe they're going to build them, but they're not going to build them for years. And Geo is available at something like three times EBITDA. Oh, so, yeah, it's super cheap because um, of the legislative risk. So, so yeah, let's, which takes us that's to really Google. interesting. But like, let's think for a second about why somebody would get out of all of their positions. Well, especially uh, somebody like him. There's a few reasons. One is 
um, you're worried that the market's going to drop in all those positions and you want to buy them back cheap. Yeah. And Burry has put out a, and the reason, let's run through the reasons. That's the one. Second is same thing, except you're going to be aggressive and short the market. Right. Which you don't have to dis- dis- disclose. disclose. Exactly. Like we would not know if any of these people you've just mentioned are shorting. So, but it, but it's the same principle, but on steroids, right? As the first one, like it's going to go down, okay? But I'm gonna I'm gonna sit back in cash. It's going to go down, and I'm gonna make money when it goes down. So I'm gonna put a put a bet in on it. The third yeah. one is I'm gonna go buy stocks someplace else where I don't have to tell you what I'm buying. So I don't know, but I suspect rather strongly that it's the first two and not the the last one, because Burry also tweeted. A picture. He videoed a very calm, quiet bay with sailboats floating almost motionless in this bay. And he sort of did this long, slow pan of a very quiet bay. And he said something like, the calm before the storm. In other words, the market's moving back up. Everybody's, ah, oh, good. We don't have inflation problems. Everybody's fine. The consumer's still doing it. Uh, Burry's also posted that the consumer is massively overextended and will run out of money. Um, As J.P. Morgan noted, J.P. Morgan analysts noted, the consumer will run out of their money in the next few months in America. They're going to run through all the savings they made through the COVID pandemic Hmm. at the rate they're going now. So I rather strongly suspect that he's either out into cash or he's out into short positions. Yeah. Um, I mean, here's why I find it so interesting. He invests, I would describe, I don't know if he would describe it this way. I would describe that he invests in the way we talk about constantly, which is to find anti-fragile companies that will do well through the storm, through the bad economic situations, um, that will pick up the slack where the you know high-flying, high-growth companies fail in those uh, economic climates. And so for somebody who invests like that, I mean, I would expect him to hold on when he sees the storm coming. Why? Why? Because he's yeah. already bought them at a price he's comfortable with. Expecting well, he may have them. made enough money on these things at this point to just go like, okay, I'm out. Yeah, it's possible. or And it's possible that it's it, he's doing what you're saying, which is to time the market and sell at a price he's happy with and hopefully buy it back. I think that's likely. Um, but I mean, yeah. I, know, I know roughly what he paid for Google. And he, he did really well on it. Hmm. Um, I'm not sure about the rest of what he owns, although <clears throat> he was an investor in uh, Sportsman's Warehouse, which is certainly not a, you know, anti-fragile company. They had a lot of debt. Um, and he got in expecting them to be acquired, and indeed they were. And as the price ran up toward the acquisition price, but before it was completed, he sold out. And then the deal fell apart. Oh. Um, Bass Pro was going to buy them, and then they didn't. Uh, the uh, The federal government decided it was too much of a monopoly. 
I, I can't even get over how manipulated our markets are now. It is just, the feds are in every pie. So here these guys are struggling to survive as retailers and the federal res the, the feds are coming in and saying, oh, I'm sorry, you can't, uh, you can't combine. Um, so he got back in to, to Sportsman's Warehouse a little bit. I haven't seen him get back in a lot. And then he sold it off. Hmm. So he, he definitely will make, we, we've watched a lot of things that he's done over time and haven't been able to join him on very many of them. We just don't know enough about the companies. Um, or we don't see what he sees. Hmm. And we're not going to pretend to be geniuses. I'm just going to say if I, if it isn't pretty obvious to me what's going on, I'm just not going to participate. And I have found that over time, um, the kind of the worst you'll you'll do over time with this sort of strategy is about what the market does. Hmm. Um, like like right now, roughly speaking, we're about half in cash, and we're holding even with the Dow. So it's like you don't have to be a genius to to implement these these uh, strategies and still do pretty good even. Even when you're right camped out waiting for something major to happen, you can still do okay, right? Yeah. So. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. So, yeah. and, and I'll, I'll confess, you know, we, we like Google and I'm a little bit, little bit taken back that he unloaded that position. I understand that he bought it really cheap. Okay. So essentially I bought a little bit of Google from him. If you want to think about it. <laughs> that, that is exactly what happened. Me. That's funny. I don't like, I don't like. Well, you know how Buffett always says, Whenever you're buying a company, somebody's selling. So why are they selling? Exactly. So this why takes us selling? actually perfectly to our topic for today. Yeah. Why are they selling? It does. It takes us right to the topic. And, um, you know, there's some real there's some real reasons to be worried about Google. I mean, yeah. If, so if I, you I asked you this. Them. I do, because when we talked about it last time, I very much got the feeling you were pitching me on Google. Mm. And that's. That's great and interesting, sort of, but I'm a lot more interested in, because this is something that challenges me constantly and it challenges so many people who are learning to invest and I get questions about it all the time. How do you get to the point where you like a company a lot and then you come up with a lot of reasons not to buy it and why this company is going to do badly, why it might fail, and all these reasons are uh, convincing. So I'm really interested, if you wouldn't mind, in going through your inversion of Google as an admitted person who likes Google, which is exactly okay. right. Okay. And how do you, you know, not get convinced by the negativity while at the same time not closing your mind to it? It's a really right. tough challenge. 
It really is, and I can understand why you felt like last time we talked, it was sort of a pitch. It's because you know, obviously, you get, I get, I get real interested in companies that I've I've owned Google in the past, and I think I understand it pretty well. Um, and the thing is, Google, not not to continue the pitch, but just to set just to set the stage for criticizing the investment, Google has ninety percent of all general search engine queries in the United States. Mm-hmm. And 95% of all queries on mobile devices. So this is, I think I said last time, that it's probably the best company in the world. I mean, who has that level of complete market control, right? And so what happens when you have that kind of complete market control is that you get the attention of regulators, whose job it is is to make sure that there's competition because competition drives down prices. And the funny thing about all this, of course, is that Google charges nothing for their searches. So the consumer massively benefits from Google's free service and its uh, process of being the largest, biggest engine gets you the most information that you can get um, when you do a search. And so, it's hard to see how the government is going to come in here and and get Google in trouble in some way. But we can look at what's going on right now. The Department of Justice and 11 states that are led by Texas that are attacking Google for and saying that it acted illegally to hold its position in search. And here's the catch, search advertising. So it says that we okay, need wait, 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 just okay, just a second. So, okay. um, yeah, we talked a lot about regulatory risk when we talked about it last time, and so mm-hmm. you're saying, I think, to paraphrase, your first inversion is regulatory risk. Yeah, but okay. it's real. In other words, they're attacking Google now, right? With with you know to force them to let. Bing and DuckDuckGo be more competitive in order, here's their theory, in order to reduce advertising costs uh-huh. to the businesses that advertise on Google. So I don't know if it's that, is that just a government making up a problem that doesn't exist or is there really an issue given that Advertising on Google is one of the most efficient means of advertising you can use in the entire world of advertising. So really, oh, I'm, I'm not lost. sure that there's. A I real mean, thing. obviously, monopoly pricing is a thing that happens. So is that the argument that they're making that Google is using monopoly pricing and essentially has no competition, so can charge they, whatever they it word wants? It, well, these guys word it very carefully. They don't say they're actually charging more than they should. They just say they have the power to charge more than they should. Uh-huh. <laughs> it's like they're going to go to the court and Google's going to say, show us that we're charging more than we should. And and the court, they're going to try to argue to a court that, okay, well, we can't show that because Google's actually cheaper to advertise on than anything else in terms of dollar effectiveness. And so the court is going to go, well, then why do you want to attack them? And they're going, well, they could go for more okay. if they wanted to. So that's your, your <laughs> analysis of it's, the situation. 
It's a little tough. I mean, right. I almost have to rebut this because it's just like, oh, God, you can just see these government bureaucrats feeling like they have to do something because Google has such control in the market. Um, but the thing is, consumers use Google because they want to. I mean, they can go to DuckDuckGo or Bing or ask, you know, I mean, a, 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 just a simple Google search results in at least 10 alternative web browsers that offer you more privacy, security features, different experiences, you know. Yeah, I, mean, I keep getting recommended DuckDuckGo. It's supposed to be very good. I, I mean, keep not using it. There's nothing stopping people from just going over there. It's not like they're getting charged. Okay. Tell me about the risk. How could Google come down due to regulatory intervention? I, I, this is where it gets pretty dicey. And maybe I'm being blinded by confirmation bias here. But it's a little hard to see how they're going to break But then how on earth do you do an inversion? Engine. If you can't even write the problem, how, as an investor trying to write an inversion, do you do that? Okay, well, obviously, if the government is suing Google, which they are, then you read the documents that they're saying, what they're saying they want from the court. Correct. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But you're saying like you can't even understand your own inversion. It doesn't. It's not even convincing to you. It's not convincing to you. <laughs> but that's the point. You have to look. You you don't want to just look at inversions that are convincing to you. You have to look at the inversions that are out there that people are using to say don't buy Google. Oh, okay. So okay. One so of to you, is, this one is not realistic. I mean, they're trying to, here's what they literally are saying they're trying to do. We are seeking to stop Google's anti-competitive conduct and restore competitions for American consumers, advertisers, and all companies now relying on the internet economy. They do not say how they're going to do that. Okay. No idea how they're going to do I that. I have not read these legal documents. I can't give any educated comments You're a lawyer. about it. Yeah, you should, you should probably go not going to. find out. All right, so um, maybe they're going to try to stop Google from having all of the browser and the search engine together. They're going to break up the ecosystem so that you can't just go use Gmail and Chrome and Google Drive. I, you can't. Yeah, I mean that's what I was saying YouTube. last time. That's know certainly what you know what's talked about when it comes to these, uh, especially Google but other conglomerates yeah. as well. Yeah. Okay, so I don't really know how to how to understand what they're going to do to the company enough to know how it would hurt us. I guess that's that's my point. And your point is, well, what kind of inversion is that? Yeah. It's the best I can do. That's <laughs> how <laughs> <So> that is. <laughs> okay, okay so what I'm going to write is, down is regulatory risk. No, <laughs> don't get it uh i think what i kind of hear you saying is that the world of possibilities around what a government or governments or you know the eu or some kind of powerful governmental entity could do to google is so amorphous and so speculative 
that it's hard to really say whether or not the likelihood of it, of it happening is high or low. Well, so at least that one in terms of legislative action there. All right, the second one I'm going to give you okay. is based on being woke. And Europe is now trying, they're not trying to put regulations on advertising that force these Google to open up its algorithms so that they can be inspected by regulators. And what the regulators want to see... Oh, so this is another regulatory risk. Yep. Okay. And what they want to see is if these algorithms are allowing um, Google to target specific people based on their race, mm. their political views, their religion, whether they're children or not. Mm. Um, That's really interesting. A whole bunch of real woke stuff here that, like if I look at what a company I might own would want to do, they would want to target by gender, age, economic position, race, religion, uh, what television show you watch. Are you talking about specifically in, um, in advertising results and also search results? Um, specifically advertising, um, a uh, targeting advertising. Okay. Using Google ads for a company is extremely valuable because of targeting. It is precisely Google's knowledge of the consumers um, and the vast matrix that they create of, uh, of types of people. They have names for certain types of people and all that. Um, yeah, this is the cookies that we talked about last time. Yeah, and they're trying to figure out how to really narrow down who would want your product. And so they are looking at, you know, do you like Cheerios or tricks? Are you black, white, Asian, Hispanic? Are you Catholic, Muslim, Jewish? Uh, what part of the country do you live in? What's your educational attainment? I mean, you name it. Of yeah. Almost anything you can think that differentiates people. And they want to know that about you so that they can target specifically to people uh, like you who would want certain products. And what Europe is saying is, that's bad. We don't want you to do that. We don't want you to well, target Well, advertising and marketing has always broken down segments of intended advertisees. Yeah. Um, and now they're calling. I don't know the exact racist, thing that you're talking about, but my bigoted. my guess it is is that it has something to do with search results as well, because what we're finding is that the information that we're each getting is so separated from information other people have. Like we're we're just living in our little bubble because Google provides the results that we like. So, I suspect it's got something more along those lines of. Um, providing adequate information um yeah i mean and uh, i'm sorry it's just like what are you kidding me we're supposed to ignore the differences among people um to a point of not being able to target specific people with our products i mean i don't know again i haven't seen the actual eu thing so uh, as an investor 
um, how does that endanger Google? I mean, it kind of would, right? It's a pretty big deal. It would, it's a very big deal because um, you're not going to advertise as much and you're not going to spend as much if you're not getting the results you need. So you'll, you'll, right now Google is getting a lot of targeted advertising, excuse me, target, targeted advertising results. And if suddenly that changes to where a company is advertising on Google and it, it isn't getting those results anymore, that means it's going to cost them more and more money to get the same sales, mm -hmm. uh, uh, sales revenues. And you don't have unlimited money. So who is Google's biggest competitor in online advertising? Facebook. Facebook. Yeah. Hmm. And they're suffering the same exact problem. Same exact problem. So, you know, Amazon, same problem. So these are the targets for, for regulators who are, you know, picking up this. But Facebook does advertising across the internet? Oh my gosh, yeah. They're probably... Not they for would, Facebook. I'm talking about for other companies. Oh yeah, that's okay. what they do. That's how they make all their money. Oh, interesting. Like Facebook is super good at targeted advertising because they collect so much data on everybody um, as you're using Facebook. They, they see so much about you what your preferences are, and they store that data. And then when I want to, if I'm a, a company that wants to advertise, um, they will, they won't tell me. All I have to do is tell them who my target is and describe as much about that target person as possible. And they will then t set up targeted advertising. Um, and then on you Facebook. Pay. Yes. Yeah, on Facebook. But my question is off Facebook. I've never seen ads by Facebook on other places around no, the internet. No, what, what do you mean off Facebook? Well, Google ads are on any website I go to, right? Where somebody's paid for Google ads and put, put a banner ad on their website. Google gets paid for those ads. I've never seen Facebook ads, like ads by Facebook on other websites. Hmm. Good point. No, it's just... That's I why I was so surprised. Facebook. Okay. Okay. So that's what I was saying. Like on Facebook, yes, of course, yeah. but off Facebook, Facebook isn't involved in uh, providing advertising to like www.mywebsite.com, you know, whatever I that don't is. I think so. I haven't heard that they are. I haven't I either. Haven't that's that. why I was so surprised. Yeah. Okay. Clear. So one argument in rebuttal to this is that if they do it, they're going to do it to everybody. And so Google won't be any worse off than anyone else. And the impact of this, however, I think will be pretty severe. It's like you can't advertise as much. You, your advertising budget will go down if you're not selling as much stuff. Yeah. Obviously. Yeah. So you're gonna have, it's going to have an impact. I think there's also a huge impact on the institutional side wherein I can't even imagine how complicated Google it is for Google to run its search at this point because they've had so many years now of uh, intelligent of artificial intelligence machine learning being put into their search results. So for 
them to be able to open that up to regulators so that regulators could one even figure out what's happening and two decide whether or not that's legal (laughs) maybe it's easier than i think but i suspect that is a tall order and would be very expensive for google to comply with that's an interesting Mm -hmm. one well i know google's trying to figure out a workaround I mean, they're talking about having Chrome, which is their website, not accept cookies or not support cookies. Hmm. So they may be looking for some other way to do this that gets them out of the crosshairs of regulators. Yeah, which would be smart on their part. Let's pause here. Let's pick up next time with the uh, the continued inversions. Right. Yeah. All right. Are there more? Yeah. I hope there are um, more. So far, we've got two regulatory risks. Yeah, I mean, you've always got a risk of a recession. But tell me, I want to hear. I want to hear more. All right, you got a risk of a recession. Okay, but next time. <laughs> <laughs> oh. <laughs> you got I'm data security. Up on risk. time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. <laughs> Thanks, everybody. You got technology risk. <laughs> bye. Say bye, Dad. <laughs> Bye, everybody. (laughs) See ya. Hi, guys. Thanks for listening to Invested. If you enjoyed this episode and you want more information or to listen to additional episodes, visit our website at investedpodcast.com and sign up for my virtual workshop right there. Spots are definitely limited for this event. I'm not kidding. They really are. They sell out very quickly. So everything discussed on this podcast, by the way, is either my opinion or it's Danielle's opinion. And really important, it's not to be taken as investing advice because I am not your financial advisor, nor have I considered your personal situation as your fiduciary. So remember that. You're on your own here. This podcast is for your entertainment and education only, and I really hope you enjoyed it.